Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang. Of course, this is New Southern Garden, and I am your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson. I'm so glad that you could join us today. Of course, we're continuing our adventures into 2021. It's like the third week of the year, and there is so much to talk about as far as getting new things, trying new things in the garden and in the landscape. And that's what we've been talking about this new year. Uh, we've we generally call it a new year, a new garden. And so I hope that you take 2021 to use some of the ideas and inspiration uh, and information about different plants that we talk about here at New Southern Garden. And I hope you use that to do something new, to try something different. If you've missed any uh, show from this year or previous years, you can, of course, check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com. Now, of course, you can find us live here on your hometown radio, WRWH 93.9 FM, every Saturday morning now at a new time slot, 10 a.m., which I think is great because that means that uh, more people are awake, right? On Saturdays, don't we like to sleep in? And <laughs> we used to be at 9 o'clock. But now that we're at 10, we've got another hour of people waking up and uh, hopefully getting out into their landscape. Of course, this is still a great time to plant, still a good time to plan. You can plan out some new things you want to try for spring. And so using these Saturdays and weekends is a good opportunity to get that landscape looking good or get your vegetable garden prepared to plant in just a few weeks, really. You can start doing more cool season things in a few weeks. Um, but like I was saying, check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com. Because there we have every episode of the program we've ever had. And it's all there for your benefit, for your information, for free. You don't have to pay for it. It's there. We want to help, help you uh, grow bigger, grow better, and grow stronger. And so, like I said, the f- first two episodes of this year, we've already talked about um, a new year, a new garden. We talked about new vegetables that you should try from Baker, uh, Baker Creek heirloom seeds. Uh, You can check them out at rareseeds.com. And then, of course, we talked about um, topiary in the garden, which, of course, is shaping and trimming and pruning uh, plants into unusual shapes, uh, unnatural shapes, I like to say, because, of course, if you want to shape a plant into a cone, a perfectly trimmed, clipped cone or spiral, Mother Nature doesn't produce that. And so that is what topiary is. Now, of course, you can train your plants into creatures and animals, too. Of course, you can see uh, some good uh, examples online. Just Google topiary animals, and you can find all kinds of things. But we talked about using those in your landscape, trying to um, 
add a little bit of structure because that's what topiary does. It adds a bit of formality. So if you don't want anything formal in your landscape, then you may want to stay away. But if you don't have topiary, maybe 2021 is a good time to try something new. And of course, that episode is online at newsoutherngarden.com and also on all of the podcasting apps that you can download onto your phone. Just search for New Southern Garden on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher, tune in. The, uh, the possibilities are limitless. And then, of course, we talked about adding a new perennial border into your landscape, making sure that you're using every space possible you have in your garden, in your landscape, to beautify, to bring some kind of happiness uh, into your garden and into your everyday life, really. Because, of course, if you are working hard, building different areas and sections of your garden and your landscape, then when you get home from work after a, you know, sometimes we have bad days, right? You have a bad day at work, you come home, and you've got this beautiful perennial border to hopefully lighten up your spirits, lift up your mood, and make you just a, make your day just a little bit more pleasant. But like I said, these are some ideas that we talked about as a new year, a new garden, and you can check that out at NewSouthernGarden.com. But that's not the only way to keep in touch uh, with New Southern Garden. We want to help build a community, giving people ideas and, and discussions. Uh, so be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram as well. Of course, we will post the episodes as they become available there. And that's just a good reminder. And you can share it to your Facebook page or Instagram page. And your friends will be able to access this information, hopefully encouraging them to do something new in their garden and their landscape. But on today's program, I wanted to sort of shift gears. We talked enough about new things, and we'll continue, of course, on New Southern Garden to talk about new things in the garden. Uh, But maybe this is a new topic for you. Uh, There is a particular plant. It's very timely, actually, this discussion. There's a particular plant that is shining, looking beautiful, blooming right now, and will continue to do so up until early spring. Now, this particular plant we have talked about in the past, but we haven't gone into many details. Now, of course, you probably know what I'm talking about. That is the hellebore or Lenten rose. Some people call it Christmas rose. There are so many names for this one plant. That's the thing about horticulture. We have so many names because the same plant uh, has been, has traveled around the world, right? And this goes for any plant, really. Say we have a plant that's traveled around the world and each little area of the world may call it something different. As a matter of fact, it's not just each area of the world, but a particular household may give a certain plant a certain name. Of course, you can find me throughout the week at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia. But I had a client come in and they were asking for a high geranium. A high geranium. I don't know if that was supposed to be a geranium that uh, dabbled in some illicit materials. I don't know. But it turns out, as we were looking through pictures of plants, it was a hydrangea. So her mother used to call it hydranium for some reason. Or maybe that's how she interpreted what her mother was saying. But that household called hydrangeas hydranium. So I didn't know if it was a geranium or a hydrangea at first, but we figured it out and it was a hydrangea. So the point is, in horticulture, there are lots of names for plants. Now, of course, what the plant world, the botanist and the horticulturalist have done and the scientists, is they have given plants uh, specific names that can translate from uh, uh, country to country, language to language. Now, of course, we call those botanical names or scientific names. 
As a matter of fact, uh, biologists have given every living creature a scientific name. Now, those scientific names comprise of two names. The first name, of course, is what we call the genus. Now, the genus I want you to think of as sort of your, your family. But don't use that word too specifically because there is another level of identification in plants that is called a family. Uh, but just for the, the sake of any other word, call the genus sort of your family, okay? And so today we're talking about uh, a group of plants that are in this family called Helleborus, that's the botanical name. Now, of course, Hellebore is a common name, but the botanical name is Helleborus. Sounds very similar. The ending is just a little different. And within this Helleborus group or the Hellebore family, you have several different species. As a matter of fact, I believe there's like nearly 18 or so different species. Not all of them we use in our gardens. There's only a few. So today we're going to talk about a few species that we utilize in the gardens and some hybrids, which means crossing of different species to produce a new offspring from two different uh, hellebores. We're going to talk about those as well. But again, it, the helleborus group, the hellebore family, we're going to talk about specific individuals. So like in my family, I've got me and my mom, my dad, my sister, but we're all Wilson, right? So we're talking about hellebores in general, but we're going to talk about a few specific members of that group, of that family, um, and we're going to talk about some of their histories. We're going to talk about how to grow them, and we're going to talk about some of the new varieties that are recently being introduced that you can go and purchase at a nursery, a garden center, maybe even online, and add them to your landscape and into your garden. So there's a lot to talk about today, but again, today's topic of conversation conversation is all about this quaint little plant, a cute little plant that blooms when nothing else is blooming in the dead of winter, the late winter and early spring. And of course, that's the hellebore. There are a few plants which are of greater antiquity or are more surrounded by legend and superstition than the hellebore. The hellebore has been around for a very long time. As a matter of fact, I want to give you a little bit of history on the hellebore to see uh, how important it has been in the past. But then again, later, we'll talk about how important it is uh, in today's garden. As a matter of fact, the Greeks were some of the first people to talk about hellebore. Now, there's a little story here. There was a shepherd, a Greek shepherd named, Mel, uh, let's see, Melampus, who really was the first in recorded history <laughs> to become aware of the properties of hellebore. Uh, by observing its effects on his goats. You see, he used it to cure the daughters of Proteus, which, is, which was a king of Argus, of a mental derangement. And in some versions of the story, he would uh, dose these um, daughters with the goats of the milk that had eaten the hellebore. And in some other episodes of the story or renditions, he would dose them by the use of the herb itself. And there was a series of things he would do. But the point is, for centuries afterwards, that plant was very famous as a cure for insanity. For insanity, So I guess you could sort of say the hellebore, this beautiful flowering plant that uh, shows off in the wintertime and, and early part of the spring, was one of the first plants that maybe was used as, say, an antidepressant or some kind of uh, uh, solution, some kind of medicine for mental disorders. 
So you see that this plant is one of the oldest plants that we've used, propagated, cultivated, you may say. There's a lot of stories uh, about the hellebore and stuff. But what I want to uh, focus on is, of course, one particular hellebore that is called the Christmas rose. It's Helleborus niger, which we'll talk about in a second when we talk about specific species. Um, but it was definitely the Christmas rose that was featured in one of a one of the medieval nativity plays. So a little little further down the line in history, past the Greeks, we talk about the medieval time period, and there was a uh, nativity play where this country girl who was named Madeline. She was accompanying, accompanying the shepherds, of course, the shepherds who were looking for Jesus Christ. She was following them in their journey, and she was crying. She was crying because she could bring no offering to the holy child, not even flowers. Why? Because it was winter time. But then an angel led her out, and touching the cold earth outside in the dark winter's night, the Christmas rose sprang up and blossomed. And it was that Christmas rose, that same plant, the Hellebore or Helleborus niger, which through recent years has been planted, uh, has still been planted close to houses, cottages, in the belief that it would prevent evil spirits from crossing the threshold. So this particular plant has steeped history, not just in the garden and landscape, but also uh, into uh, religion now and uh, certain other beliefs. But again, this is a, a particular plant that has many names. Hellebore, Helleborus, Linton Rose, Christmas Rose, there's a lot of things. But where does that name come from? It's such a strange name, Hellebore. This is a name from the Greeks, which uh, comprise of two words. The first one would be Hellion, which means to kill and bora, which is food. And those two names particularly come from the plant's poisonous properties. Now, I don't want you to get scared, um, but these poisonous properties have been discovered and sort of recently have been used to help destroy garden pests. Now, touching the plant, um, getting sap on your fingers is not going to hurt or kill you. We've already talked about how that particular shepherd in the old Greek days used it as a medicine, <laughs> I'm not encouraging you to do that, but I don't want you to be scared as far as poisonous to humans. It's very, uh, it's different kind of toxicity, but for garden pests, it can be very helpful. So again, this particular name is, um, comes from two words, kill and bore, hella bore. Now the uh, Christmas rose or the uh, Helleborus niger, which has been very popular uh, over the past centuries, um, is is called so, is called the black hellebore because its heart or the root is black and its face shines with a blazing white innocence known to the truly pure of heart. So the black hellebore or uh, Helleborus niger. We're going to talk about some more specifics. We're going to talk about Helleborus niger, uh, some of the ones from the oriental part of the world, and some hybrids. So hang on through this quick break. Again, today's show is all about the Helleborus linton rose. You need this plant for your landscape, but let's learn more about it. We'll see you in a few seconds. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the new Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing 
growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. <laughs> at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together. Well, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking all about hellebore. Now, remember, hellebore is that great little uh, evergreen plant that hangs out all year, but it blooms and shines in the garden this time of year and all the way through early spring. Really, hellebore is probably one of the longest-lasting blossoms on a perennial you can find. I mean, you, you literally can see that they're... Uh, the petals themselves are really rich and have a great color for a few weeks, several weeks actually. And then the petals, they're so thick and leathery that they generally persist uh, on the plant and still show uh, some really attractive properties even after their prime has passed. They tend to fade to a, a green, whether they were pink or red or um, white. They sort of ripen, we'll say, to a green and hang out on the plant even into the early parts of spring. So when I was studying horticulture at the University of Georgia, um, had a particular uh, uh, professor, I guess is the word, teacher named uh, Alan Armitage, who is a big horticulturalist, of course, in the world of horticulture, big name. Uh, and he talks mainly about perennials, and he taught a perennial class to us. And he says that really, when it comes to hellebore, there no garden should be without them, period, period. Every garden needs them. Now, you may, in the South, we don't really have a problem with hardiness. But of course, hardiness refers to a plant's ability to handle cool winter weathers. Now, certain species that we'll talk about today um, are more hardy than others. Now, of course, our show is situated for those of us gardening in the South. So we generally don't have a problem with hardiness. Zone 7 is really nice. Now, there are some hellebores which are going to die out in heat. And so you go past seven and maybe into eight and nine, forget it. They're not really going to grow. Uh, some of these hellebores can go as far north as, say, four, uh, zone four, which is like uh, probably negative 20, negative 30 degrees below Fahrenheit, uh, negative 20, negative 30 uh, degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so with that in mind, there is a good range. There's a good range uh, that you can grow these, but not all of them will grow in the really cool areas and not all of them will grow in really hot areas either. But we're going to talk about growing them a little later on. I want to jump right in um, to some of the species, to some of the different types. Now, again, like I said, there's about, I think I said 18 earlier, but uh, I double-checked my numbers. It's more like 15 species, but there's only a handful that we use in the garden. 
Most of the species are evergreen. They have these leathery leaves that are divided into like hand shapes. We call them palmate leaves, but they're these uh, lobes, kind of like fingers. They kind of do look like fingers. The edges of the leaves usually are very coarse, serrated, kind of like a knife, right? So real uh, edged um rough edges on the leaves and sometimes they can be spiny depending on the species the flowers the majority of the flowers of these species are going to be nodding flowers with white rose green and purple petals really the sepals are the showy part of the flower the petals are really reduced to just tiny little inconspicuous what they call nectaries And you can't really see the petals. They're not very showy. But what you're looking at are actually the sepals, much like on a dogwood. The big white petals on a dogwood aren't actually petals, but technically speaking, they're sepals. But for our purpose in the garden, they're beautiful. That's all we need to know. Now, of course, the bloom time is why people want to grow these because they are blooming sometimes as Christmas and sometimes later than Christmas. Uh, when the weather's cool is when they're blooming. And like I said before, they have a very long blooming time. They may bloom into February and into May, uh, as late as May. Now, you can, uh, the, the fruits of these um, uh, plants are what we call um, sessiles. Um, and they are chock full of seeds, or sessile follicles, I should say. They just look like little seed cap, seed pods grouped together in the center of the plant. Now, those will eventually open up and drop little black seeds. Now, those little black seeds can be grown and utilized to grow more plants. Now, we're going to talk about more details of how to do that uh, later in the program. But let's talk about some of these more specific uh, um, hellebore species. One of the more common species is going to be called hellebores Photitis. Now, Helleborus fetitis gets its name, <laughs> just like it sounds, meaning fetid or bad smelling. And it refers to the scent of the flowers, even though you would have to get up really close to the flowers to smell them. Uh, it's not one that you'd want to bring into the kitchen to, as a cut flower to enjoy because it will probably permeate once it's cut in your kitchen and smell bad. But in the garden, you'd have to get up really close to it. So don't let the name uh, fool you or discourage you. Uh, these do best in zone 6 to 7. And generally, uh, generally they have very narrow uh, leaves, it's probably some of the narrowest that I've seen. They're deeply divided, uh, little leaflets. Uh, the first year, the stems and leaves are produced, and in the second year, you'll have several branch stems uh, that bear many of these cup-shaped light green flowers that nod, uh, and sometimes they're rimmed with purple. So when you think about the, this particular species, Helleborus fetitis, or um, bear's foot hellebore, some people call it, when you think about this plant, just think that it is mainly green flowers, but it does have a very fine textured leaf. There are plenty of species, uh, sorry, cultivars that you can find with various colors and whatnot. Um, but the next one, the Christmas rose, which we briefly talked about in the first section of today's program, the Christmas rose, which is called Helleborus niger, uh, comes from Europe and West Asia. Now, they have a saucer-shaped two-and-a-half-inch wide flowers with these yellow centers uh, that contrast well with the clear white petal-like sepals. So, in other words, you've got a great contrast of white and yellow going on with this particular plant. Um, 
This one is one that has been used in hybridizing and breeding. We're going to talk about some hybrids in a, in a little bit. Um, but just know that this particular one, the Christmas rose, is a little more difficult to establish than Phytitis or the next one, uh, Orientalis. It's a little less tolerant of extreme climate meaning extreme heat or extreme cold, extreme drought or wet feet. And so it may not be the easiest, but it is a pretty one, can be very pretty. Now, probably one of the most uh, widely used as far as in the garden hellebore goes is going to be the Lenten rose. Now, the, the Lenten rose, botanically speaking, is called Helleborus orientalis, and it does come from Greece and Asia Minor. It can be synonymous with a group that is a hybrid called um, Helleborus uh, cross hybridus. And sometimes the Orientalis is crossed with some of these other species we're talking about. They cross with themselves, and you can have these crazy amount of uh, genetic diversity, beautiful colors, and flowers on these plants. Now, there are so many strains of species. I don't want you to get crazy about it. Uh, it can make even the most uh, uh, avid gardener probably go crazy because there's so many different hellebores. Uh, but the point is, with these orientalis, they have some of the probably finest low-growing, early flowering uh, that we could possibly get. And they... Really, if you have a garden, if you're growing a garden, you shouldn't have a garden without some of these large clumps uh, throughout your uh, kind of shady sites and whatnot. There's a good bit of variation in color and size. Now, again, this one in particular is going to have uh, white flowers, rose flowers, pink flowers, crimson flowers, almost red, really. And it is probably, like I said, one of the more popular nowadays. It's really probably the easiest species to grow. It only really requires shade and occasional water. As a matter of fact, all these hellebores are more what we would call um, succulent plants. So too much water can root their rots, uh, can root their, can rot their roots. <laughs> I got that completely backwards. But this one in particular is going to reseed and add more babies on its own. As a matter of fact, with most of these species, you can look underneath established plants and see little seedlings. And so when we get back from this break, we're going to talk about just that. We're going to talk about growing hellebores, uh, some different aspects of what conditions they need, what kind of sun, what kind of shade, what kind of soil, and how can you make more of them. Any kind of pest, we're going to touch on a few of those. There's not many, but there's a few you need to be aware of. So again, today is Hellebore Day, talking about that beautiful winter flowering plant. And when we get back, we've got more Hellebore discussion. So we'll be right back with Linton Rose. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, here we are halfway through today's episode. Of course, it's an episode dedicated to one of our favorite plants, especially wintertime. Of course, we're talking about the hellebore, Lenten rose, and some of them are called 
Christmas Rose. So with all that in mind, we are looking forward to seeing these babies blossom if they're not already blossoming in your garden. As a matter of fact, I just installed this past week a, uh, a hellebore that I've had in a pot for a long time. Very sorry. It's been in there for way too long. I'm not even going to talk about how long it's been. It's showing some signs of struggle because it has been restricted to a pot, but it has come back year after year in that pot, and I finally planted it in the ground, so I'm excited to see. It's one of the newer hybrids called Pink Frost. It's been out for a while, um, but it is one of the newer hybrids. We're going to talk about some of those a little later on. But uh, with a little bit of inspiration, uh, there's a garden author named Mirabelle Osler, and she wrote in her book, A, P- a Gentle Plea for Chaos, which is a great uh, garden, garden read. She says, what mysterious flowers these are coming into bloom in the nadir of uh, gloomy days, providing great patches of subdued color with their creamy petals freckled with crimson and lime green. If you're not familiar with what, um, what these plants look like, what their blossoms look like, if you're not familiar with hellebore, I would encourage you to go check it out online. Google some pictures of hellebore, Linton rose, and you will see all kinds of variety of color. It's just an amazing group of plants. And they really do. They, they do have these. Some have creamy petals. Some have pure white petals. Uh, some have freckles and spots. And uh, they can be rich colors, green, all kinds of shades. Really great plant. So, of course, we're going to continue our discussion on that. But if you're just joining us for the second half of today's program, and you say, hey, I missed out the first part. I don't know what's going on. Well, you can catch up. You can catch up in a few hours when this episode is posted online. Of course, you can find it at NewSouthernGarden.com. And that's not the only place you can find it. If you've missed it live here on WRWH 93.9 FM, your hometown radio, every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. now. You can also check us out on your favorite podcasting apps. Now, remember, the podcasting apps are usually free to download. It's no problem. And you can search for New Southern Garden, whether it's Google Play Music on your Android or Apple Podcast on your Apple device, uh, or maybe it's a third party like SoundCloud, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher. There's so many different apps that you can find New Southern Garden, and uh, you can subscribe so that every time the show is uh, loaded onto the cloud, I guess we'd say, you get a notification and you're reminded. So again, if you wake up on Saturday at 11 o'clock and you say, ah, I hate it. I miss New Southern Garden today and the rest of your day's shot. Don't be too upset because you can check us out at NewSouthernGarden.com as well as the podcasting apps and Facebook and Instagram. Now, I know that we are here still in winter and a lot of folks may not be doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is gardening. You're supposed to be digging in plants like I planted that hellebore today. That hell, I'm out today this past week. That hellebore is going to definitely be much happier in the ground over winter rather than in that pot that it's been stuck with as a prison for several years, but I won't go go into that. So you're supposed to be gardening, but you may not be because it's cold and dreary and wet. But eventually, when the days warm up and things start blossoming and putting out new growth, you're going to get excited about gardening and you're going to have a lot of questions. You may have questions now, and whether you have them now or later, I want you to be sure that you can ask New Southern Garden your whatever's burning through your landscape, destroying it, or if you need ideas, if you have a site you don't know what to do with, you can always send those to us on Facebook and Instagram. 
You can send pictures of whatever problem or pest you may have. Uh, you can always upload those to the uh, Instagram or Facebook and ask us those questions. And, of course, at NewSouthernGarden.com, you can type a question, send us an email. Um, I don't think it lets you put up pictures, um, but you can go ahead and get your question because we want to make help you become part of the program. And answering your questions, giving you the information you need to be successful and to grow well, grow better, grow bigger, grow stronger, all of those things. In order to do that, we want to help you. So be sure to let us know what is going on with your problems. Okay, enough about all of that. Let's go back to our hellebore discussion, talking about these very uh, kind of odd plants that bloom when nothing else does and really can fill your late winter and early spring with some delight and pleasure in your landscape. Let's talk about the exposure. Now, when we talk about exposure of plants, we are really referring to where do they go? Do they go in the sun? Do they go in the shade? Do they go in a little shade? Do they go in a little sun? Now, every plant is different. And some of the species, you know, we've talked about a handful of the hellebore species, but some of the species may be different. So we're going to talk generally about what hellebores prefer. Now, I will say that uh, hellebores particularly grow in those open woodlands, in clearings, in meadows, and rocky mountainsides. It's a pretty diverse range there, if you think about it. Now, they sometimes, pretty commonly, are found in what we call this kind of transitional band between woodlands and open grasslands. You know, it's kind of the edge of the woods, we'll say. So they're very adaptable. Now, they're not necessarily strictly woodland plants. Okay, all of them can thrive with some degree of summer shade. So if you do put it in a more sunny site, just be sure that in the summer, it's getting some shade. Uh, hellebores can go in pretty good amounts of sun. But again, you want to make sure that it's the cooler sun, which would be morning sun. Give it some protection from the full summer sun. I will mention a little story. My uh, aunt, who is a, a good gardening friend of mine, not just my aunt, but we talk about plants and we've planted things together in each other's uh, houses and, and landscapes. Um, she had a beautiful stand of hellebores underneath a maple tree. Well, the maple tree had been there for over 30 years. They planted that when they first moved into their house. And the maple tree had to come down. It was becoming, it was actually a silver maple. And of course, silver maples uh, are not really recommended anymore. They grow fast, but they don't last uh, and they break. So, with all that in mind, the tree had to come down. Now, that shady garden was exposed. She had ferns, she had hydrangeas and hellebores. She was worried about the hellebores. Well, she kept them there for about a year because she couldn't move them, and they did okay. Luckily, it was on the north side of the house, and so it didn't get a whole lot of, of harsh afternoon sun, even though there was a bit there. But they survived. Now, in the sun, your leaves may dry out and turn black, the older leaves in particular. So it's definitely going to make your plants look a little sad, uh, raggedy maybe. So putting them in a uh, general shady area, but could be brighter. I will tell you the benefits of having some good amount of sun on your hellebore is that they will be fuller. The plants will be fuller, but they will bloom just ridiculously. If you put them in heavy shade, they'll grow. The plants will be kind of sparse most likely, but in heavy shade, they won't have enough sun to uh, store enough energy to produce flowers. Let me tell you, with any plant, 
Generally speaking, it takes a copious amount of energy from the sun to set buds and flowers. So if you want more flowers, give it plenty of ample, plenty of sun in the um, morning, but then definitely in the summer, make sure they're shaded in the hot part of the day. All right, that's exposure, but what about soil? What about moisture? Um, while the plants are, um, while you've just planted, say you've just planted hellebores, uh, into the ground, you want to make sure they have ample moisture, especially while they're flowering. So in the wintertime, that's the great thing, is you probably don't have to water them much more because if you were to walk outside right now, which of course is mid, um, mid-January, mid you'll find that your soil is probably moist. Now, if there's some areas near the house or under some trees where it's a bit drier, you may have to supplement in the wintertime with water. But while they're flowering, while they're, uh, fresh, while they're hardening their fresh growth off, they may need a good bit of moisture. They do like soil that is high in humus. That's kind of that woodland soil. So, uh, the old, I guess I'll just say the old timers called it woods dirt. Woods dirt or wood soil, I guess. That's that rich brown organic decaying. So you can plant these with amended soil, uh, whether it's compost or manure uh, or anything like that, soil conditioner or whatnot. Uh, they don't mind some clay soil, uh, some loamy soil, so they're pretty tolerant. They're, they can tolerate a variety of pH, um, but they do benefit from adding some limestone if we have highly acidic soils. Now, in the South, we generally have more acidic soil. So these particular plants, even though they can handle that, you may see some benefits of adding lime and stuff like that. But I will mention that there is research that shows uh, that plants perform best in the range of a pH from 7 to 6. So that's right at neutral or slightly acidic, which would be 6. So um, most of our soils may be in the 5.5 to 6.5, which is pretty fair. So if you get a pH test done on your soil, go get a soil sample taken and the test run for your hellebore bed or wherever you're growing them, then you can judge if you need to add lime to make that soil a little sweeter or not. Now, creating a new hellebore bed in this rich soil that you're finding is not much different than creating any other perennial border or perennial bed. The idea is that you do want to make sure it's a weed-free area. You don't want weeds competing with these hellebores. Uh, you want to soften the soil as much as you can. If you use a tiller or a shovel to uh, soften the soil, however you want to do it. And I would encourage for this perennial, this hellebore, to add in two inches of organic matter, uh, whether it's compost, rotted leaves, uh, manure, etc., etc. Could be soil conditioner, whatever product you prefer. Uh, mushroom compost. Mushroom compost is actually proven to be one of the best soil amendments for perennials but add in at least two inches of that on top and then turn it over uh, mix it well create a tilth remember a tilth is like the fluffiness the lightness of the soil and uh, I think that you'll find that those plants will be fine now once you've gotten um, once you've gotten the uh, the bed created then you do want to Put them into that uh, bed, and I would encourage to use some mulch of some kind. It could be the very same stuff you added to the soil, uh, compost, manure, leaves, whatever, pine straw, doesn't matter. Um, you add some mulch on top, 
keeping it about two inches away from the base of those plants because and we're going to talk a little later if we have time but one of the issues that hellebores can have is crown rot and keeping moisture around the crown or right there at the base of the plant um, at the soil level can become disastrous it can rot the plant uh, and then just destroy it all which all your good hard efforts and those cute little plants are gone so definitely mulch with two inches of whatever material you want to use but keep it two inches away Away from the base of the plant. Now, as great as hellebores are, just like with any other plant, particularly perennials, uh, hellebores do need a little bit of maintenance and management to look good and healthy and continue to do the things that we want them to do. Now, remember that really all the hellebores we talked about and the ones we use or would use in our landscapes are going to be evergreen. So they're going to maintain their foliage, not just through the summer, but also through all of the winter or at least part of the winter. Uh, in the south, it generally is going to be all year long. Now, having that evergreen foliage is great, but the problem with it is that it sometimes can get winter dieback. They can sort of dry out the leaves and look kind of gross. So we do from time to time especially in late winter when things are starting to calm down uh, for hellebores, we probably would want to trim back some of that foliage. Now that foliage, that old foliage, can also make a tangle and kind of a net for the flowers in late winter. So you may, as far as midwinter, trim back the foliage and let the flowers just shoot up without any disruption uh, to their growth. Well, folks, we got a few more things to talk about. One more segment to go about hellebore. If you don't have hellebores, you need them, and we're going to talk about more things when we get back. Hang on tight. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, we are really on the last quarter here of New Southern Garden. Our special program today is all about hellebores, which they look great this time of year. This is the plant, the perennial that you need in your garden for winter color. There's no doubt about it. Every garden, if you own a plot of land, you need some kind of hellebores on them. At least a couple, three large clumps of hellebores. Uh, will be great to have. Now, I do want to kind of speed up here because I got a few topics to talk about. We were talking about maintenance of these hellebores. They really are low maintenance. They don't require much from you. But of course, the older leaves will start to die. You probably want to remove those to keep the plants looking good. You can also remove the leaves in late winter, uh, right before the plant is blooming, uh, so that the 
flower shoots don't get tangled up in amidst, in amongst all of the uh, stems uh, from the old foliage or any of the foliage, actually. Now, the great thing about hellebores is that they multiply about as fast as rabbits do. And so with that in mind, if you have hellebores in your garden, you know what I'm talking about. There will be a number of seeds underneath your plants. I mean, a number of uh, seedlings underneath your plants or to the side of your plants all around up and down. If you've got a large group of hellebores, you probably see that. Now, that is one of the good things about hellebores, especially in the garden. It's like the gift, the plant that keeps on giving. Not only will they fill in large areas of space over time, because it usually takes two to three years for a seedling uh, to become a flowering plant. And so with that in mind, over time, you can have a big mass of uh, hellebores just covering the ground. It's great for, you know, pathways in shady sites and along uh, edges of the wood li- uh, edges of the woods. But with the hellebores, you can, there's some maintenance there. Because you don't want these plants to crowd each other out. If they get too thick, there could be too much moisture, not enough airflow and circulation, uh, and you may see some rot and disease in in different areas of your uh, hellebore patch, we'll say. So removing some of these babies from time to time, I mean, unless you're trying to hybridize and breed these, you know, there may not be reasons to keep a lot of seedlings around. But one thing you could do as you're thinning these out, that's the maintenance there, getting some of these out of the ground. You could save some of the strongest looking plants and put them in other areas of the landscape, or you could pass them along to friends. And so don't think that just because uh, hellebore is like the rabbit of the garden, you know, multiplying (laughs) dramatically, uh, don't think that's a problem. It's a good thing. It's a pleasant thing. You know, sometimes when plants uh, multiply with a lot of seeds, it becomes a problem. But hellebores, they're so beautiful, so unique, and so unusual that it never really is a problem. Um, Now, with that in mind, just a couple of notes. One of the, some of the issues you may see um, on your plants other than um, uh, these maintenance issues would be insects. Aphids are could become a problem. Uh, we don't usually have an aphid problem with hellebores that I've grown, uh, but they are possible. They will suck uh, juices out of the plant, uh, weakening the plant. So you do want to be sure that you are keeping an eye on it. And you'll definitely see them around the sepals, the the fake petals, right? What you're actually seeing are sepals, but uh, around the petal areas and underneath the foliage. Now, slugs and snails, you know, those can be a problem, but you can put down some diatomaceous earth around these plants. And it's, it's a completely organic product that is going to Basically, on a microscopic scale, it's going to slice and cut open uh, the skin of those slugs and snails, and of course, they'll 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 desiccate, they'll die. Um, so, with that in mind, if you see little mucus trails uh, all over the leaves and foliage, you know there's slugs and snails there. You may want to consider getting rid of them. Now, when you're removing leaves from these plants, remember I mentioned early on uh, that they're considered a poisonous plant in the fact that their sap may irritate your skin. Getting some of the sap on your skin is not going to kill you. Don't worry about that. I don't want to scare you away from growing hellebores, but it may be that it gives you a rash or something. So you may want to wear gloves when you're removing leaves. And with that in mind, usually, usually plants, uh, hellebore plants aren't 
a problem with deer and rabbits, but you will see from time to time, especially with new growth, or if there's nothing else to eat in a cold winter, deer, rabbit, squirrels, they may dig and scratch and nibble and do things like that. So mammals can be a problem, even though most of the time we can pretty much bank away that um, this particular plant, hellebore, because of that caustic sap, uh, is not going to be too attractive to uh, mammals. Uh, diseases, there are a few diseases. There's some rots. Um, there are some spots, some black spots you can get. The idea here with keeping diseases away, and I mentioned crown rot earlier, which is where the plant uh, will die at the ground level. The crown itself will rot. That means the, the shoots and the roots become separated. It can be a major problem. But if you keep the area fairly, not wet, but moist, but maybe on the drier side of moist, if you can do that, if you're, if you if you're not planting your hellebores in a hole or in a bog, you should be okay. It's usually the moisture, extra moisture, that causes some of these rots. Uh, now, in certain areas of the world, it may be uh, more important. Uh, in the south, we really don't see too many problems with diseases. You will see um, some, some uh, little brown discolored foliage, but it's not usually. It may not be a sign of, of uh, disease. It could just be that... Uh, uh, one of the plants is going dormant, you know, and the leaves, the older leaves are turning brown. So definitely, if you have questions about your plant, if it's healthy, if it's not healthy, uh, you can do one of two things. Of course, we'll be glad to check, uh, help you out at Lanier Nursery and Gardens uh, in Flyer Branch if you're local to the area. But you can send us a picture here at NewSouthernGarden.com, uh, NewSouthernGarden.com. We'll be able to help diagnose your problem with that photograph. And then lastly, if uh, you are so far away uh, from us that you uh, don't see a need to communicate, which I wish you would. Uh, you can always go to your county extension agent uh, through your land-grant university. There's usually uh, some guy in your county called the county extension agent, uh, cooperative extension agent, who would be glad to help you. Now, with all that being said, hellebores are great. They're beautiful. But one of their major flaws, oh, I hate to say flaws, because, of course, it's not really a, a bad thing. But one of the sad things about hellebores is that their flower tends to hang down. So you don't see the full face of the flower. You have to get underneath the plant or remove it from the plant, remove the flower from the plant to see it. So uh, the last topic we want to talk about are new varieties that are available. What the breeders uh, have been doing is they have been breeding for flowers that sit upright and point towards the air. Now, the one I mentioned earlier that I planted is a hybrid called Pink Frost. Uh, there are several different varieties that have been around for a while, different colors, but the newest ones, the ones we carry, of course, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens that just came in this past week are called the Ice and Roses. Ice and Roses is a group of hellebores with that vertical uh, facing flower so you can enjoy it all season long without having to crawl underneath the plant and look at the center of that flower. So be sure to Google uh, Ice and Roses Hellebores are some of the newest things. They don't reseed like the old-fashioned ones do, but you can find them at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, and I'd hope you come see me throughout this week. But until next week, until next Saturday, of course, I'm Nathan Wilson for New Southern Garden, and I hope that you stay well and grow Hellebores very well. We'll see you next week. 
Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.